AJ Jones. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. Better than last week. Yeah, you sound much better than last week. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess major antibiotics will do that. Yay for antibiotics. Yay. I just wish they were easier to swallow. They're like the size of a horse pill. Talk to me about this week. It was a good week. Um, I still spent a couple days in bed before fully recovering. Um, but the students are all back, aren't they? Yay. And they shared at church this morning. Right, 70 staff and students in seven different places around the world. They did the whole service this morning. Uh, I was super proud of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And you spoke last Monday night. I stayed home with yep. sickness. I spoke on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Which I heard was amazing. I cannot possibly comment. No, but I did hear it was amazing. <laughs> and lots of people came up to get prayer for baptism of the Holy Spirit. You wrote a chapter for a new book. I did. Do you want to talk about your, this new book? Um, yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Patricia King uh, just shot me an email and said, Hey, I'm doing this book for women. I think it's a, some sort of a devotional book or something. And I'm wondering if you would contribute a chapter. And so I prayed about it for a few days and then emailed her back uh, my idea of what I'd like to talk about. And she said, that would be fantastic. So, and then I promptly got sick. <laughs> so I, uh, I was stressed about how much time I had to write the chapter uh, with having two weeks to write it. And then I got sick for 10 days. So uh, I actually wrote it in a day um, and it turned out really well. So that's sort of miraculous for me because uh, writing doesn't usually come that easy for me. We also went to see the Batman Superman movie. Yes, we did. Dawn of Justice. And there was nobody in the theater. Um, what did you think of the movie? I really liked it. So did I. I don't understand why everybody was so negative. I don't know. I mean, it's not It's not a, a Marvel comics. There, It doesn't have much of the lighthearted no. stuff in it. But they did a great job. I thought all the acting was fantastic. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was superb. Yeah, he really was. I, but Believable. Point, yeah, I thought everybody was great. Yeah. And I love the, and this isn't a spoiler really, but it's set when Batman's been Batman for 20 plus years. Yeah. And I love seeing that side of a weary, grumpy superhero. superhero. Yeah. Well, the diet that we were talking about last week, we've now finished. Yay. How happy are you? I'm so happy. It's really funny because we have some friends that are on Saturday, we're just starting the whole 30. And I'm sure for them that felt like, oh, this is going to be super restrictive. But for us, I was so excited because I'm like, we can eat Whole30. It's a whole new world. Look at all the food we can eat. That's right. Because for the next 30 days, we have to maintain the weight we've got to. Yes. How much weight did you lose in total? 26 pounds. As staggering as that is, how much did you lose off your waist? Five inches. Five inches of you I'm never getting back. No, you're not. <laughs> Less to cuddle. I'm okay with that. <laughs> There's still plenty of me left. <laughs> what about you, babe? I lost 44 pounds. Yeah, you did. And four inches off my waist. Come on. And, you know, in this whole thing of maintaining our weight, we now have to eat, a, I guess it's pretty much paleo, really. I've never yeah. have I been so happy to eat almonds, though. Right. Sad, sad world. It is a sad world. So normally, babe, we talk about a topic. Yes. At this point of the podcast. Yes, we do. This week we're doing something different. Yes. Because we're thrilled to have some friends with us today. Yes, we are. Henry and Alex Seeley. All the way from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> Alex and Henry are the senior pastors and leaders of The Belonging, an amazing church up in Nashville. And we've had the real privilege of 
getting to know them in the last couple of years. And just recently, they came to the School of Supernatural Life, blew our students away, and we were th- we've been scheming this for a while. Yes. And we're so excited that you guys are here. Thank you so much for making time in your schedule to come and speak on Keeping Up With The Joneses. It's awesome. We're glad to be here. Yeah, we are so excited to be here. You guys have got an amazing story and there's so much to cover that I'm not sure we're going to get it all covered. But I want to start seemingly backwards. I want to start with The Belonging because you guys just celebrated your second anniversary. You've been running for two years. And it is fair to say that your church has blown up and in the best possible way and it's an incredible church it's full of life it's full of vibrancy and to go from nothing no church existing two years ago to where you are now is unbelievable and i'm sure the envy of many pastors in nashville so (laughs) tell us about how all that started and we'll pick your brains as we go along well we moved to nashville uh april 2012 so almost four years ago now and uh we had been part of a large church, a large movement back in Australia and thought that we were going to stay there forever. Had been with our pastors for 20 years since Unbelievable. We, were, we were teenagers. Uh, both Alex and I met in the youth ministry there and had come off on, on uh, staff with our pastors and worked with them for a long time. And then a few years ago, God just really began to stir us about moving to uh, Nashville. And uh, I, I had loved Nashville because we had you know, kind of come through and toured here, but I swore that we would never, never leave Melbourne. We loved, loved uh, Australia <laughs> so well much. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of only ever made two promises to the Lord. One was that we would never move to Nashville. And the second was that we would never pastor a church. You know, we okay. got a, gr- a great teaching on inner vows. You yeah. guys might want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. I've we'll since repented of all of those things. Yeah. We need that. Yes. But we, uh, we honestly had no idea. The Holy Spirit began to stir us, and we, uh, we said the only way we would move uh, to the, the U.S., to Nashville, was if, if we got green cards in the lottery, which you guys probably don't know anything about, but every year the U.S. government does what they call a diversity visa lottery, and they give away a certain amount of green cards. Which is uh, incredible, yeah. if you think about it. And it's, I mean, it literally is one in a million uh, kind of odds, maybe you know greater odds than that. And so the year that we applied... Uh, we went through the whole process, waited the six months, and then they drew it, and we didn't get it. And at first, we were excited because we thought that meant we got to stay in Australia, but we felt like God had really spoken to us about moving. And then three days later, I was away on tour in uh, Germany, and I got a, a random email in the middle of the night, and I started reading it and went, this is a scam. I'm going to delete this. And the, the email uh, said, stated that it was from the U.S. State Department and mentioned something about them messing up the whole lottery and that they were going to cancel mm-hmm. the whole thing and redraw oh, that's it. That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, how could the government mess something up like this, you know? <laughs> so we'll just leave that there. Uh, but they, they did, they somehow messed up the whole thing, they canceled it, and they redrew it three months later, and we got selected in the redraw. And, and that really was it for us. We had, you know, made a promise to the law that if we got our got our green cards in the lottery that would be the only way and so we moved on that sold everything we had and we kept asking god what we were going to do when we got there and he just said you just need to go with nothing but my power and my presence and i'll show you the rest when you get there and so we <laughs> that's moved. because he was probably thinking if i tell you about uh, that little vow about not pastoring one thousand percent one thousand percent i'm also going to pause you there because you told and I appreciate you telling a story for, for speed, but there is so much to unpack there. Yeah. I mean, you just glibly say, so we sold everything and moved. Yeah. You moved 
About as far away as you possibly could from Australia. Pretty much. It's the other side of the world. It is. And you sold everything. I mean, do you ever stop? I remember speaking to Heidi and Roland Baker, that many of our listeners will know who that is. And they, I remember they said, we, we see no sacrifice in our life. No. We, we, we feel like we haven't sacrificed a thing. It's all reward. And we're like, Heidi, like you live among the poor, in the poorest nation. What do you mean? Do you feel the same thing? that Because on paper, if you said to somebody who hadn't been primed by that, hey, you know what? I feel like the Lord's saying, sell everything I have, move to the other side of the world. That's a massive jump. Looking back on that, do you feel like that sacrifice or big or... I, I don't, I mean, there's, there's been moments along the way when we've realized, you know, it's kind of like God closes your eyes to the reality of some of the journey of it until, you know, you can look back in hindsight and go, wow, we actually, <laughs> it was a much bigger deal than we even realized at right. the time. But, you know, God is so gracious that he always, he'll always set you up for that next season. And so for the few years before we left, you know, I'd been on staff heading up all our creative uh, stuff for our church and our ministry. And a few years before that, God had really clearly talked to me about coming off staff, which at the time didn't make any sense. But what, you know, now looking back, realizing that God had to take us through these two years of us really walking by faith without a wage before we could leave Australia and to see the faithfulness of God through you know, the first year off staff was our greatest year financial, financially that we'd ever had. The second year was the most challenging year that we'd ever had. Uh, and just watching God just, you know, be this constant through the midst of the whole journey and knowing that that had to happen so that we could, you know, be in a place of being in a, you know, being able to trust him 100%. So when he said go, we were like, well, we can, you know, yeah. like we've seen you provide when it's great. We've seen you provide when we've got nothing. And so it's been, it's definitely been a sense of, you know, the, the reward of knowing that you're walking in the, you know, right in the midst of, of the plans of God for your life. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want anything else. Right. You know? It's amazing how all of the Lord's plans make sense in hindsight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But going forward, it has to require faith or it wouldn't be the Lord. Yeah, exactly. But when you, you know, get to the other side of the world and you look back, you're like, oh, it totally makes sense yeah. what that was about. Yeah. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but there was just it's, so it's much. It's funny too, because there's the dynamic of lots of people wait for every door to open before they'll agree to walk through it. And yeah. God's actually looking for us to step out in faith and open in order to open the doors. So anyway, I love that. That was one of the greatest challenges, I think, being on the other side, being here, because there was talk um, from people that didn't understand that process to say, I don't know if God calls you out of something into nothing. And so there was this struggle uh, for us to actually have to go and pursue God on the matter mm-hmm. right. and hear for ourselves that he just wanted absolute obedience to God and not to man. And so that was huge because that's true. People wait for this door to open and I'll go through that and that's the next entry point. But sometimes God wants us in like a desert, if you like. Right. When I can clearly see how all the finances are going to be provided and how, you know, where we're going to live and blah, blah, blah. Well, then I'll get Mm -hmm. on the plane and God's like, no, get on the plane. Yeah. You know, and then I'll show you the rest. I I think man's man's nothing looks different to God's nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, like... We man looks at it and goes, "Well, you're going to nothing," and God's like, "No, you're going to something. You just haven't seen it yet. Right? You know, it's not necessarily been done before. It's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's it hasn't played out in the natural yet, but it's already happened in the supernatural. And I think it's kind of when you get on that that on board with that kind of thinking, you know. And I remember us when we first moved, 
we for a few months i mean it was it was a lot of culture shock i think especially because it, you know when you move from a western country to another western country you'll speak you know essentially the same language right and you th- i and because we i guess been here so many times over the years i think i thought it was going to be easier than it was right. because right. it was on the surface everything is the same but you know the systems here and all that sort of stuff was just so very different for us yeah it definitely took us a season to really acclimate and you know and and in all of that not knowing what we were going to be doing but through that season we you know we started to meet a lot of musicians who were traveling on the weekend loved the lord with all their heart out doing amazing things for god but because they were gone so many weekends a year you know and they would they would leave nashville on a wednesday or a thursday be out on the road till you know, maybe Sunday night, Monday. And so a lot of these guys just didn't have a place for community and, and really didn't have a place where they were being poured into. And so I think for Alex and I, having been, you know, in that kind of pastoral leadership position for, you know, I guess 20 years, feeling like we had so much to pour back into people the whole time looking for a home church ourselves, but we were like, we've got a lot to, let's just, you know, let's just pour back into these, these guys. And so we, started opening up our home on a Tuesday night every other week. And the first week we had seven people and, you know, and, and we, you know, it was an incredible night. Actually. And these were just people you'd met. So these seven people are just people you're in a relationship with like, Hey guys, come on yep. over. Just we just a totally. couple, new yep. friends. Yep. Some people we just met for the first time and yep. they yeah. shared their grievance. So it's not finding community. So sure. we're like, just come hang out. Yep. Cause it is a very, for people who don't live in Nashville, it's, I remember when my parents got here, they didn't understand that people, well, they did for a living and they don't understand it's a transient, mm-hmm. even week by week it's transient because yeah. when touring season picks up, like you yep. say, you load on a tour bus Thursday, yep. you know, back till Monday and that's your life for a good couple of months. Yep. And then when you're home, you're doing whatever work you can pick up and then you're out with a different band. And and so it is completely transient. And so you guys picked up on that. You're obviously both got a hugely creative musical background. So you instantly gel. Yep. So come over. Yep. What nights did you do it so that was a Tuesday, Tuesday night, and we started November 2012 is when we did the first night. And and throughout that whole thing, you know, we were living in this tiny house when we first got here, and we prayed and said, God, if we're meant to do this thing, then, you know, you'll open up a place for us. He puts us in a house with this, you know, ginormous basement that the owners had built this whole area for their kids to practice hockey because they're Canadian. And yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, it was just kind of a, eventually going to be a great space for us to meet on a Tuesday night, which was a total bonus. So we moved in and uh, started meeting Tuesday nights every other week. And, and it was just a word of mouth thing. I mean, Alex and I, I think the only people we invited were the people that came the first night. The seven. After that, yeah. it was just... The five, really, because yep. seven's including us. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and God, you know, really moved quite profoundly that that first night and there was a you know a couple of different scenarios of of people just having such radical encounters with god um that just changed you know there was a marriage that was completely restored and you know some other things that happened and it was it was really a profound night and so we you know we didn't push it we didn't we actually didn't think a whole lot of it aside from us just you know having a space for people to come and worship and uh over the next probably eight or nine months just word got out and you know every other week we'd open up our home on a tuesday night and people would knock at the door and people we'd never seen or met before just That's knocking at awesome. the door our kids were out there in their Crazy. pajamas welcoming people in they were our welcome team and uh, it was the end, <laughs> end of that next year that you know we had a hundred something people in our basement and 
we were really playing hockey this, or uh, no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> almost. It was kind of like Tetris trying to get everyone in there, you know. But we we would just worship, and by that point, we were meeting weekly. And we still, Alex and I were still denying that it was a church at that point. You know, I think <laughs> there was part of us that was, we understood the responsibility uh, of being church leaders, having been part of pioneering churches in the past. And and so we, we kind of went through this whole wrestle, but, you know, after a few prophetic things and some really strategic things from the Lord, we, we launched church in, in uh, February 2014 with about a hundred something people and you know, now we're getting close to a thousand on a Tuesday night, and another six or seven hundred on a Sunday afternoon, which is just so amazing. amazing. Mm. And what I love about that is, I think there's a an epidemic in in the circles that we move in in the church where people see God breathe on something that is entirely His doing. Because, yeah. like, your marketing plan was to five people, hey guys, why don't you just come over and hang out? Yeah. Man? We'd just love to connect with you. That was <laughs> your sole effort, and the Lord goes. Breathes on yeah, it, exactly. and before you know, 110 people are there. No, no strategy. No. But then people will look at that and go, "We need to change church. We need to be more yeah. organic." And they work backwards and say, yeah. If, yeah. "If we copy what you're doing, we'll get the results you're having." Forgetting, yeah, forgetting that not everybody's built to look the same. That's Correct. a not how God works. B, that is man's efforts to build God. It's just yes. it's right. so backwards, and yet. And now you've got, you know, 16, 1700 people in your church. I love it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that whole thing was hilarious to us because we, you know, when we started meeting, you know, in a public sense, we, we didn't have a budget. We didn't, you know, we weren't, Alex and I obviously weren't taking a wage at that point. You know, we weren't <laughs> we even had really no money doing, to start a church. <laughs> yeah. We, we hadn't done the whole, you know, spend two years trying to, you know, raise yeah. funds and all that sort of stuff. We just were responding to what God was doing. And so, you know, we literally had no money. And so we were like, well, how are we going to let people know about this? So we just start posting about it on Instagram. Because you would and, change locations yeah. depending on where you managed to find space. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes it was, you know, literally 12 hours before yeah. or 24 hours before. Yeah. And so we just said, everyone, just follow us on Instagram. And then that way, you know. We don't have to text we, everybody. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, then there was this whole thing about us, you know, conspiring to use Instagram to build the church and you Which, know, infiltrate uh, and all this so sort of stuff funny. and people labeling us the Instagram church. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, two years before that, Instagram didn't even exist. Right. You know, so there, there was no, we didn't start out with this plan of one point we're going to get to this thing where we're, you know, Instagram's going to be the tool for us. It was just, we literally were using whatever resource that we had available to just let people know. And, so, and you have no staff. It's not no. like you can be sending out, no. you exactly. know, we had no database. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we had no database. We had no one's details. Yeah. I mean, we just knew first name basis, yeah. people coming into our home. I mean, anyone could have walked into our home going, Oh, this is free free for all. I can rob everything. But right. I mean, we just didn't know. And right. and I think that was even another thing. I remember getting there was another rumor had come out that um we our whole strategy was to tell people that we never intended on starting a church. Which like, like and who obviously comes up with this yeah, stuff. I think people it's trying to quantify something that God, like you said before, just breathes on and right. Yet we preach about this stuff. We read about this stuff. When God actually does it, we don't. We don't. We, we don't understand it. So we right. have to. We have to work it out. It's but funny. the other thing is, if people would even just meet you, you know, I love what Bill Johnson says: "We're at our dumbest when we think we know the motives of another person's heart." <laughs> and it's I so true. That. But just, I, I remember the first night we came to the belonging was actually I, I had a dream. We were away on vacation, 
And you you guys meet on a Tuesday night. Or we meet Emily on a Monday night. So, yeah. you know, Tuesday is our what your yeah. Wednesday. So you're yeah. just zonked out, especially yeah. teaching at the school. And so, uh, you know, a lot of our people started going, which which we love, by the way. We want everybody in a local church. Yeah, you know, we, we don't care where it is. We just want believers committed to a local church. So a bunch of people had been going. And a lot of people, you know, when anything new starts, they want to go check it out, rightly so. So we'd heard great things and Asia was like, do you want to go? Do you want to go? Do you want to go? And of course, we'd finish a Tuesday and we'd be exhausted. So it wasn't high on my priority list to do. Then I have a dream. And in the dream, I go to the belonging and meet you guys and just fall in love with you. I remember in the dream, you had two kids, <laughs> you had a boy and a girl and, you know, this, that, and the next thing. And, and I got your personalities in the dream about wow. like what you were like on stage, what you were like on stage, what you were like off stage. So I was like, babe, I think we should go meet them. And as, you didn't know us from Adam. There's no way you would know who we are. But as soon as we walked in, we were greeted, which is shocking. First of all, we can maybe unpack that later. It, but <laughs> it was job. it was shocking. And then we were just, obviously we knew a bunch of people because it's mm. Nashville, the Christian community is fairly small. And so yeah. we would connect with a bunch of people. But I remember you and we were the first people to come over. Now, we knew a lot of people who could have connected. Oh, these are our pastors. I don't need you. Come and say hello. No, you just walked up and you were like, hey, how, you know, how are you? And then... And I was like, man. And then when we had dinner and just connecting with you guys going, oh, this is nothing more than humble, authentic people that yep. the Holy Spirit's like, oh, I'll put my anointing on you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the trouble is people hear that story. And again, I'm appreciating you're telling it quickly. But the story sounds like we left this incredibly successful mega church, which was one of the fastest growing churches in Australia. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. Right? And then you moved here and it all blew up. Of course, that's what you've been trained to do. But they forget that for two years, mm-hmm. from the time you got here to mm-hmm. having people in your house, yeah. you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. And you Not were probably... Talk about those two years, what it, what it was like. Well, I might talk about it from my perspective because with Henry, um, he produces, does mix um, engineering and is a worship leader and, and was itinerant all over the world. So... Technically, Henry could have worked anywhere. Right. He, he, we could have literally landed in any country. He can work from online. You know, it doesn't matter specifically. But for me, it was a big deal. So I am local church girl, 100%. Same, I was in part of the same church since I was 11 years of age. And, you know, we move here when I'm 39. So that's a huge chunk of my life in under one leadership covering. So coming here, we, of course, started to visit church every week to, to try and plant because we were like, we we need to serve. We you you don't to. mean plant as in plant a church. You mean no, plant like yourself plant, in a local yes, church. absolutely. Yes. Because we just believed, you know, don't neglect meeting together. We, right. we just And for right. our children, we just never want to be that person that is a rogue doing our own thing. Um, so we would go to church after church, but just couldn't find that spirit leaping moment right. of this is where it was meant to be. Yeah. And it wasn't because we didn't like it. It ju- I just couldn't totally settle. Understand. So I think it got to about three months in. I didn't know a human being. I My kids were not at school yet because it was from April to August that we had to wait for that, that right. gap. Right, right, right. And uh, I was home and Han- Henry was working and traveling and I, I think I actually became a little bit depressed um, and I would just lay in bed every day just wondering what God had done. You know, so here we are, go with nothing, to nothing, but with the power and presence of God. And then it's like, I don't know anyone. I can't even connect into a local church. In fact, every local church I've gone to, people don't even want to say hi. They don't Aww. even want to talk. And I'm going, hi, and putting the accent on, like, 
I'm Australian, I'm a foreigner, still, <laughs> nice to meet you. And then that was it. And so I'm like, how am I going to build any sense of community? I don't have a job. All I know how to do is pastor. I've been doing it for the last 20 years. I, I got rejected from two retail positions that I applied for. No, no. So I was like, oh, no. I don't know how to do anything but pastor. And so I was in a bit of a, a limbo and I remember getting really depressed and I I had a friend of mine write in and said, you know, Alex, don't don't fall under this. This is this is just the climate of the city and you right. need to begin to pray into it. And as I did that, I remember I was reading the Bible as it happens in history. And this one particular day I was done. I, I think it was around July. And I was like, I want to go home. I, I said to Henry, we, we are not living here. I don't like it here. It is dry. It is barren. It's it's dead. And um I just, I just need to go home. And he was just praying and interceding for me because he'd heard God's voice say, no, we need to stay here. And I just began to pray. And I remember opening my word that morning and it was in 2 Kings 2.19 and it was when Elisha's prophets come to him and they say, Elisha, Elisha, the location here is good, uh, but the waters are sick and the land is unfruitful. And he said, well, get me a new bowl of salt. And as he put the salt in the water, the waters were healed and the lamb became fruitful and has been fruitful to this day. And I literally felt the hand of the Lord on my heart. And he said, the location is exactly where I've put you, but the waters are sick and they need new salt. And you and Henry are going to be part of that story of bringing salt to bring healing to the waters. And I just knew that was the mandate. And I knew from that moment on. Let me ask you about that because I love that story. You can't see it because we're in a studio and you're listening to this through headphones, but I'm tearing up hearing that story. So God gives you that word, which is, again, you know, two years in, duh, so blindly obvious. Is there any point where when you hear from the Lord or when you get prophetic words about big things that you feel unqualified, you challenge the Lord on, you just think, oh, that's me, or, you know, that's just my ego, is that been a struggle for you historically? Um, well, I think this was the first time that the Lord had spoken to me and Henry to do something. Right. I think the past had always been the Lord speaking to my leadership, commissioning us to do something, and we followed that lead. Right. So this was the. I felt like I had my big girl pants on. This is the. <laughs> I'm an adult now, and God has spoken to me and given me a mandate. And it scared the bejeebas out of me. I'll be honest, because this is what I said to the Lord. Well, that's really great, but how am I going to do that? I don't even have a church I'm a part of. No one knows who we are. I don't, I'm a woman in Nashville. They're not going to even let me preach on a pulpit. I mean, what (laughs) have you done? You've actually brought me to the wrong place. This may sound arrogant, but I remember the Lord saying, do you remember when you were a little girl and you watched Joan of Arc? And I said, yes, I love her. He goes, I've called you to be her. You're going to change the course of history. And I said, well, that's a bit arrogant. What do you mean? (laughs) But, you know, in hindsight, I'm looking just two years in, I feel like I'm part of, not the answer, but part of even opening the door for the a female voice to be heard oh, in the local church in the South. And, and, and because that's been such a crazy thing, because I always, I thought God had chosen the wrong place. It's like, hold on a minute. But I remember Henry saying to me, it's no coincidence that you won the, the lottery. And not Henry. And not Henry. He goes, and you got to understand, I never, I've never won anything in my life. I don't even win, you know, any competition that I ever <laughs> apply for. And so to win the lottery, like Henry goes, God chose you to be here. 
He goes, because I can work anyway, but he chose you to be here. Wow. And so from there, it was like, okay, well then what now? You know, you get this prophetic word. So just you were just matter of fact. Okay, God, if you said it, I'll believe it. Yep, absolutely. So that's amazing because that's what you preach and it's what I like to preach, but my internal struggle has been historically like, Oh, no, God, that, well, they're big and I'm small. But that wasn't an issue for you. We're just like, okay, I'm done. I've been in barrenness for two years. Yeah. About time. Let's do yeah. something. And it was like, okay, well, how do I do this? And he goes, I gave you a commission the week before you left Australia. I told you to love people like I love people. And I'm like, okay. He goes, so start doing that. Person in the store, person in the school, person, whoever you meet. He goes, who are you without the church backing, without the paycheck? without the title and without right. you being Henry Seeley's wife, who are you? I said, I'm your daughter and I, I carry the presence of God. Yeah. And he goes, so go do that. And that's actually the five people, two of those or two, yeah, just two of those I invited. The others were your friends. I think one I had one girl I'd had a prophetic word for in the mi- middle of the night, woke up, directly spoke into her life, her and her husband came. And the other one was Holly's vocal teacher that after her vocal uh, lesson, I would minister and again speak into her life. Those people came and got their lives radically changed. But then I would just begin to just talk to people. And then it was like, well, well, then what? You know, and that's we actually had a dinner and we had three couples at our dinner. And at the end of the dinner, this lady came to me. She said, why is it that tonight felt like I'd been to church? And I went, that's all we need to do is love people. Yeah. You won't know this because you're not inside my head, but one of the most profound things... <laughs> and you probably don't want to be inside <laughs> <Yeah>. your head. <laughs> one, one of the, the most profound things I'd I'd heard from you two was the first time we had lunch together. We were at Wild Ginger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus. we were just chatting. We were just getting to hear one another's stories. And it was either one of you or both of you who said this. You said, I'm angry at people who dishonor the pastoral office. And I said, well, what do you mean? You said, well, we just see people who are titled pastors, but don't pastor. And I said, well, what does that mean to you? And you said, well, being a pastor, you know, it's, you've got to be with people through all phases of their life. You've got to love well. And I'm fed up with people calling themselves pastor and not pastoring. And it wasn't that they weren't pastoring that bothered you. Of course, that would be part of it. But it was the dishonor that was brought to that title. Mm. And when I heard you guys talk about your love for people, and obviously I've seen it in evidence, I was like, that is amazing. Like, you guys are pastors of pastors. You know, you, you, you just love so well. And the number one goal to your inconvenience is other people. So I feel chagrin when I'm around you. I'm like, I'm a terrible pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but you've talked about right. that. When you were at the school, you talked about the, I mean, there's such excellence on everything you do. If you go to the belonging, there's just, you know, excellence everywhere, which is amazing. And it's, it's not even your building mm. to put in place systems that would make that easy. So huge cost. I saw on Instagram the other day at like 4 p.m., all your car park people, and they're all in their branded vests. And this, there's so many little bits of attention to detail. And you know, you're a huge technical person, Henry. Yeah. And so, you know, we bond over our love of nerdery. <laughs> and it takes a lot to take all the tech stuff working. But I remember you sharing at the school that actually it's more important that the person running that feels loved and that they get their stuff right. Yeah. How did you learn that? I, I mean, talk to me about that. Yeah. Like, like I said before, we, you know, we've been in ministry, I guess, if you want to call it that. We've been on staff, both of us, in a church context for 20 years. 
and honestly learned so so much amazing stuff from from that you know and God has really grown us and I think it was it was awesome to come into this season where we got to kind of take it back to zero in the sense that we were you know when we left Australia we'd, we'd been part of um, that church for almost 10 years since we'd planted it it was almost 10,000 people and so it was very established in the way things were happening and so I think to, to step into this environment and be able to start from scratch and be able to stop and just say, okay, God, what, what was, what's, what's fundamental and foundational to this season that we bring from the past? And then what was contextual for the past and what needs to shift for this season? You know, what was contextual (laughs) for Melbourne? That's not going to work here in Nashville. What was the blueprint for Melbourne? That's, you know, how's the blueprint for Nashville different to the blueprint for Melbourne? And so that was, there were questions that we, we were pretty intentional about. Um, And I think we really got a revelation about, this whole thing of, of not building a, a ministry, but building people. We're not about building a brand. We're not about trying to build a church. We're about building people. And so we've really tried to keep that at the forefront of what we do and who we are as people. Um, and even, you know, I'm lying in bed last night and I just, I, I said to Alex, I said, I feel like there's too many people building towers instead of digging wells. There's too many people trying to, you know, build platforms for ministry rather than digging wells for people to have encounters. And I think that's the the irony that, you know, that anyone would even know about the belonging because really we've been so understated as far as any sort of, you know, promotional or anything like that, you know, brand building. I, I mean, I love creatively, I love building brands and I love imagery and look and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But even with that, we've we've been pretty minimalistic in stuff Very. that we've done. Even stage wise at church, we don't have any moving lights. You know, we have it's it's very it's cool, but it's very stripped back because we've really wanted to make this season about you know no other distraction but just people having an encounter with God. And so I think that's kind of the place that we lead from. Like we're not there is no end goal of building a ministry. The end goal is building people. And so even when we're dealing with our team, with our volunteers. That they are the end goal. They, they, the, the journey with them is the end goal, not of, hey, we're going to, by this year, going to have a church of X amount, or we're going to be in this many, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's not that at all. God's already got that stuff. We're just being faithful with the people that he's put around us and doing our, and we're not perfect leaders by any stretch of the imagination, but we are doing, doing our best to walk this journey. And it's been a shift for me, to be honest. I mean, Alex has been in a pastoral role for 20 plus years. For me, my my safe place is the studio. You know, my safe right. place is there's not, not really anyone else around. There's me in the console and pro tools. And you know, that's my world. That's my safe space. And so to be in this place where I'm around people, not just around people, but leading people um, and having to speak a lot more than necessarily comfortable for me, but it's been an amazing stretch to, to see what, what God will do when you just trust him and step out into his, you know, into his call. So where did the actual name come from? Because I love that the name is the vision. Yeah. What had happened in that season, the year that I was just kind of sitting with the Lord, um, I was really unpacking uh, what what did you have in mind, Lord, when you wanted the church built? Like, Because I got a little bit, what's the word, I suppose, disoriented with mm-hmm. church as a empire if you like it, it as a tower yeah. i'd got to this place where i almost forgot to love the people while i was building the ministry right so 
uh, I felt a little bit disconnected. And I remember asking the Lord, God, God, you need to speak to me because I just feel I've got a lot of questions. I've been doing this for a long time, but I, I have questions and I need them answered. And I started to look at the way people would, you know, be treated or, or the collateral damage of how people were mistreated. And I, I needed right. to ask those questions. And, and I remember reading through the word and I was going, well, you're the ultimate leader. I want to lead like you. Follow me as I follow Christ. So you're the ultimate. How did you choose leaders? And I began to look at how he chose his disciples and I began to look at all the characteristics and, and personalities of these men that he's chosen. And I start to have this, you know, epiphany, like, I'm like, oh my goodness, you gathered your inner circle, 12 men, that some were misfits, some were just rebellious, some didn't even, none of them really knew who you were and they they all had a crisis (laughs) in some area, yet you didn't make them go through the eight steps and make them go through seminary and choose the wisest or the most learned. You just chose these 12 men and you allowed them to belong before they even believed. (gasps) And something just hit me and I went, and I remember saying to Henry, Get this. He allowed and them to belong before they even believed and their their behavior changed while being close to him. Mm. And then it says when he rises again and he goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, tell them to meet me there on that mountain. And he said some of his disciples worshipped and some still doubted. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is Jesus Christ, Son of God. And yet he thought it was okay to put Judas in charge of the treasury when he was a thief and he knew he had a temptation to steal. Yet we, we, we wouldn't ever do that in our leadership ranks. And it just broke me. Now, at, during the time I was actually discipling a lady who um, travels around because her husband is a defense coach for... Um, NFL football and she'd moved to St. Louis and so she would call me and just say so Alex what have you got for me today what revelation have you got for me you know and I was almost discipling her on the phone and uh, and she used to be a Hollywood scriptwriter and a very very smart successful woman and um, she's an author and she's just an incredible lady and we love to exchange stories and I told her about that what I just shared with you and she goes Oh my gosh, Alex, that's it. That's the name of your basement thing. It's the belonging. That's who you guys are. You allow people to belong before they believe. And I just went, yes. And now Henry being the brand guy, the right. imagery guy, I thought if he if he okay is this, you know this is God. And I say to him, I said, babe, I think I know what we're going to call the, the thing because it still wasn't the a thing. church. That's right. The thing. I said, it's the belonging. And he goes, yeah. And then our friend Mia was over and I said, Mia, the belonging. She goes, I love it. Yes. And then we added the belonging company. Um, and maybe you can shed light on, on what the company represents. Um, but that's kind of how we got the belonging. Yeah. The whole, the whole deal with the company thing, you know, we, th- we think of company as being like a business. Um, but as I, you know, started to delve into it a little more, uh, and kind of researched that whole word. The, the, the whole idea of company was from a French word from the 1500s. And it was this wo- word that was kind of had a, a military context, but it was this reference of uh, this, this group of people who would fight together, uh, you know, in a military context, but also know how to break bread together, like how to eat together. Wow. And that to me 
was such a representation of what I believe the church really is. You know, it's, we are, you know, we're comrades and we're saints, you know, we're, we're, we're in the army of the Lord fighting together. Um, and we're also breaking bread. Like we're, we're doing life together. And that was such a big deal to me because I feel like that they're the things that are kind of missing in some regards in the church is we, we, we slip into this thing of the church just being an event that we go to, or, you know, it's, it's meeting. Yeah. It's a meeting or it's an event or whatever, rather than this real sense of, you know, you hear about people trying to be more authentic or trying to be more organic. Or, and like right there, you've already missed the fact that <laughs> right. you're clearly you're demonstrating that yeah. you're not being you're authentic. Trying. You know, trying right. to be friendly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you, those things you don't try. You just they come out of who you are, right? And they come out of the relationships that you build. And so I think you, you know, one of the beautiful things that I think one of the greatest testimonies that we hear about our church is how overwhelmed people feel when they walk in the door. How how loved they feel. Yeah. You guys do a we, beautiful job. with well, that. It's, it's intentional. It is intentional. Yeah, and we're, intentional. again, we're not perfect at that, but our team are so amazing and they do genuinely love people. And so much of that came because so many of them walked into our basement or into that's our right. house, into our kitchen. Mm. And that's what they experienced. And so when we, you know, when we outgrew our house and we started meeting, you know, in a public sense, that was the one thing that we said to all of our crew. We were like, hey, we, there's no rules on this stuff, but here's the one thing that we're going to be intentional about. The same thing that you experienced, that same sense of home and being loved, let's carry that because we can. And that yeah. is one of the things that's missing in, in a lot, of, not every church, but a lot of churches, that sense of as a person, as a visitor, as part of this church, you're more important than the event that we're doing right now. So. And a lot of people will say that, but you can totally feel that at yeah. your church. Yeah, yeah. you can. Good. Oh, well, we're good. really God glad about that. Because the one thing that, one pet peeve, if I was allowed to have one, was when we visited those 20 or so churches, that everybody just walks into a building, they just get greeted at a door to be given a bulletin, um, but it's kind of token, and then you go to your seat and then everybody just sits and waits for church to start. It's right. like the movie theater. Yeah. Right. And I would be like, oh, this is, feels awkward. What about if you're there 20 minutes early and you're just sitting and no one is engaging? And um, I remember feeling very lonely every week and just wanting somebody to come and encourage or just say hi. And so we made sure – I felt like God sent us on a reconnaissance trip for those 20 churches to see the need. Right. And I think when you've been in ministry for so long, you don't look with those eyes because you're the one sure. doing. And everyone's yeah, connecting sure. to you. Everyone's con- everyone wants to know us. Yeah. But now I'm the new person. Right. And now I'm walking in with fresh eyes and now I'm the newcomer and no one knows who we are. And so now I'm on the receiving end. And I was like, oh, if I ever had a church... I would never want this to feel like this. So that's why we would have a black curtain when we went to. I remember that. You know, yeah. because we wanted people talking to one another, not just coming and sitting. And people actually would get angry and go, um, your website says that church starts at 7.30. And Henry would go, yeah, it did. Because yeah. you're here. There you go. So be the you're church. Having church. <laughs> you're having church. I would and be one of those people. the worship band hasn't started. <laughs> I walked in and I was like. Wait, why are they I, late? I, I have to, yeah, why are they late? I have to stand here with people I don't know. Yeah. And I, I've got no choice but to talk to them. And Wait it pushes, a it I see pushes what you're doing. You. <laughs> it pushes you out of that zone. And because the thing that I could never get is that um, if we're filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and we have the love of Jesus, 
it's very easy to be kind to Christians. Right. Like, what, what's someone going to do if I came up to you, AJ, and went, hi, how are you? You're not going to go, please don't talk to me. Get away. Right. Right. You know, we, <laughs> I hope we, not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not too. But I, I, don't, I think we fear rejection. Yeah. And so we stay. It's not that people are being mean intentionally. It's that we fear just coming up. And But that's actually what's going to change this generation because we yeah. don't live in a kind world anymore. Right. You know, and we need to be intentional. And, and so, and we did it from the basic. We said, well, you freely receive that. Now go freely give it. Yeah. And so, so good. If God actually spoke to us next year and said, okay, you guys are done now, hand this over. Yep. We would need to be obedient mm. to that. Right. Because it's not about us anymore. No. We are not going to build our identity on the belonging. Right. It's, it's loosely held. I love so you guys. Good. I love that you're in our city and I love that these are your values. Seriously. And I, I love everything that's happened. Like I could not be prouder of you guys. Not that it's my place to be proud of oh, you guys, but we when, when we, you know, connect with you, we're just like, oh, I just love your hearts. I love that you chose meekness over ministry and that you chose humility over the spotlight and any of those things that you, yeah. you know, it really is true that no, I mean, here's a strategy that nobody wants to follow, but it's the answer for every successful person Humble yourself before the Lord, and in due right. time, He will lift you so up. That's exactly so you right. spend two years just going, "What have we done?" Yeah. You were obedient, yeah. but it doesn't look like anything. And yeah. no doubt, you got concerned friends and family who are like, "Oh, guys, seriously!" Yeah. Oh, yeah. You went we, from a ten thousand person <laughs> church right. to you have seven like seven people. people in your basement, and oh, bless we were your getting heart. texts about that. Stuff. We were, and that's I had a, a person who I used to, you know, really look up to, still do. Literally, didn't know what we were doing, and patted me on the back and just said, "Well." Good luck with whatever it is you're doing. And and I remember going home and weeping before the Lord and I said, God, you've made me look foolish. And he said, yep. He goes, because if you can look foolish before man, I can trust you with my presence. And I went, all right then. Beautiful. I choose to look foolish. I don't care. And I threw it off and I went, no, keeping course. Love it. If you haven't checked out The Belonging, I'd highly recommend going. They, You guys meet on Tuesday nights and on Sunday nights. Sunday afternoon, yep. Where can we find you on the internet? We are at thebelonging.co. If you guys are listening to this and going, but we don't live in Nashville, we, we can't go. You don't need to worry about that. If you go to thebelonging.co slash live, you can yep. watch live and you can watch archived messages. Yeah, that's correct. Nice. And you're on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, The Belonging Co. on both. And if people want to connect with you guys, find out more about you, you're on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, we are. You can just, just search us. <laughs> we'll put a link to all the social media links in our show notes. Go to alanandaj.com slash 96. And as normal, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask us on air, please head over to alanandaj.com slash ask and ask away. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming in. We love you. We love your hearts. And we feel so honored you took time out your busy schedule to come and be on our podcast. It was our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Love you guys. <laughs> yeah. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Talk about faith in God and everything.
under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone